0: Rubbing shoulders with CEOs and millionaires Never see my vision be more crystal clear. Look in the mirror, see the change in who I used to be. I kept going, new success will come eventually. But ask about me back then, they said I wouldn't make it. Nowadays, they doubt less and tend to ask for favors. Poetic music that's realness, don't let them tell you different. And if you ever lost in doubt, then follow your intuition. These words of wisdom is for those who's trying to find their purpose. Don't be living just to die, cause only death is certain. I'm working hard so I can toast to my accomplishments. Cause see, I lost it all, and I ain't been the same. Since I'm more focused, more ambitious, more everything, grew up with nothing, now I appreciate the finer things. I know it's real when at the show is asked for autographs. and now they know the name they ain't got ass yeah. All right, so my next guest is somebody I've known for a little while uh, through consulting work. Uh, this is uh, Jordan Lynn. Welcome. What's up, man? What's going on? Yeah, so uh, the premise of this podcast was a little different. Obviously, I have a, a multitude of, of different things that really interest me, but one has honestly been uh, the markets and, and business, per se. And and Jordan and I have an affinity for the same thing. So we thought to mm-hmm. get together to talk about what we actually love best in, in, in that and how that has, has helped us not only prosper our personal lives, but also enrich the lives of others by passing the knowledge that what we've learned throughout that process through trial and error okay. and, uh, Jordan has a a blog and he puts out a lot of great content out there for folks to kind of see how he got to where he is, but I'll, I'll let him kind of introduce himself, kind of his background and then how he ended up where he's at today and and what he's doing, you know, to, uh, hang out on a Tuesday. So thanks man. (laughs) So just, uh, just let the folks know, uh, you know, a little bit about yourself and, and, and what you're, what you're kind of doing now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely um well first off thanks for having me man i i know um you know this is something that i i I didn't probably uh you know i i I probably should have given this outlet a little more credit you know going into it i I hate i hate the spotlight i hate attention um i think that's what helps me with my blogs i can you know get to hide behind um the keyboard a little bit but uh my name is jordan lynn i served in the military from, uh, 04 to 08. had one of those real quick contracts four years, 16 weeks. Um, when I was a kid, it's funny. I, I wanted to be three things, Ben. I wanted to be, uh, a soldier, a businessman and a gangster. <laughs> those are the three things. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to plug in the whole gangster thing in there, but, uh, I, I managed to knock out two, two of those three. Um, so I, I was raised raised by a single mom, um, only child, Found my way into the military. I actually dropped out of college. I did one year in college at a, at a, a college called Norwich. And uh, I was petrified. This is Oh three. I was petrified. I was going to miss the war, believe it or not. Wow. Um, so dropped out, enlisted, could not give me an option 40 um, contract, which is a Ranger contract. I was one of those kids, you couldn't tell me anything. I did all my research. So uh, I said, no worries. I'll get out of that whatever contract you, you you make for me i'll get out of it um somehow it worked out but yeah when i got out of the mill so i was in first range battalion when i got out um i i knew i wanted to be plugged in somehow working for my own as an entrepreneur uh i knew a little bit about sales uh you know kind of dabbled into real estate and honestly it was just trial and error it was just figuring out you know what what would work what wouldn't um but the, I think the, the, the source of my, not, I think I know the source of the majority of my liquidity for a big chunk of that time was, um, in the consulting realm in the risk and security consulting realm. Um, you you know, when I was a teenager, uh, when when I was 20 at the time, Blackwater, they were like the the Dallas Cowboys of the private sector. Mm Um, you know, but when I, by the time I entered the whole private sector realm, those, those, those guys were kind of gone. And, um, and yeah, so you know, for me though, like that that was never a passion.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it was purely it was purely a skill set that I was monetizing. And I think towards the latter end of that career Ben it got it got kind of awkward because I think a lot of people were beginning to notice that. Mm-hmm. And so things that should the things that I should have been using to impress my colleagues or my peers at least in that industry um you know those weren't the things I was, I wasn't really interested in showcasing. So, yeah. um, I was kind of, I was doing the juggle routine. I was, I was, I was, you know, managing a, a variety of businesses. Um, I helped, helped with a, a sales agency, um, which was honestly one of the best moves I could make in my career outside of that vertical. Um, it really plugged me into a lot of cool entrepreneurs. Um, a lot of, a lot of different people that were, you know, on the e-commerce side, or um uh, you know in the coaching and consulting realm um so yeah i mean I, I've, I've 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 launched an, an amazon business i've done over over seven figures on the amazon side uh got suspended three times doing that broke some <laughs> stuff um but yeah so really ultimately that kind of led me to what i'm doing now and uh, i have an insurance agency which which was just launched um out of thin air we can go into that later but Uh, insurance agency. It's called Insuredly launched that last year in April at like the height of COVID, which is potentially the stupidest move, or or, I don't know, maybe, maybe someday I can look back and think it'll be, it'll be the best move. Um, And then, uh, yeah, I'm also consulting too now on the e-commerce front. Uh, We can kind of go into that too. And then I got my blog, which honestly has been a great way for me to, 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 to meet, I guess, cool people and, 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 you know, see what's changing on the tech side and how I can apply it to my different businesses too. So
0: yeah, man, sorry for the ramble. No, no, no. That's great. I think, I think giving folks context and, and one life's not linear, you know, like you have steadily, but surely, you know, made some moves, took some risk along the way. And obviously not everything was perfect, but the highs and lows are, are, durable enough to where you can get to the next level and then you can kind of regroup, reconsolidate, take what you learn from that experience and move it on to the next thing. Um, I, I feel the same way. I'm, I'm kind of doing a little small investment group, you know, with real estate and some other things where we, you know, we doing, some of our own investing online and things like that as well. And and it's really paid dividends overall, like in the last year, just uh, kind of going through the motions, you know, dealing with, you know, partners and things like that, where you just, um, you, you never know what you're going to get in that sense. And your day could be thinking you could wake up in the morning thinking like everything is going to be hunky dory. And then, you know, in a blink of an eye, like it turn on you and you have to uh, react to that, you know, almost, you know, we always talk about reacting to contact and military timeframes. Well, this is a, a different kind of react to contact where you have to keep a level head where other people might be running around, you know, a little in panic mode because things are, are not going that way. So a perfect example for me, um, I've been doing a lot of networking myself with uh, banking and, you know, trying to push into investment banking here in the next six months or so, joining one of those veterans programs uh, from these bulge bracket banks Yeah, those are awesome. And so with that, you know, I'm meeting a lot of great people and just uh, having the initiative to to get in touch with those folks has been really rewarding, you know, and seeing other people kind of enjoying kind of what they do on, you know, multitude of levels. But the second part is like having those connections. If you know other folks that Mm -hmm. can... Maybe a job might not be the right one for you, but for example, I was able to plug in my other business partner into a role that's remote and still gets to go down to Texas where she's from and 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 gets to go and work and and be part of you know the government consulting realm still at some capacity yeah. and maintain credentials and things like that. So it's kind of a win win for for everyone, and I yeah, hook those yeah. guys up with a quality candidate. Uh, yeah. person that I actually give a shit about gets a, gets a job, you know, in that yeah. sense. And so it's kind of, uh, it's been rewarding kind of, you know, putting the feelers out there and seeing what's available. And, and I encourage anybody, mm-hmm. you know, to, to really as much as it sucks. And, you know, like, like Jordan mentioned earlier, you don't want to be the limelight and the self-promotion is is something that's kind of, drilled out of us in, in a lot of ways in the military, but it's counterintuitive when you get out in the real world because unfortunately you have to be your own promoter and you yeah. have to yeah. get out there. And 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 it's not even being vulnerable. It's like just being uneasy about uh, pushing your accolades and, and what mm-hmm. you bring to the table because nobody knows, like we were talking about earlier, nobody cares that you were in Ranger Bat. Nobody cares Mm if it was a Green Beret other than the title. They might have seen the John Wayne movie or something else here recently, but that's about the extent of it. So you have to kind of quantify your existence, so to speak.
1: Well, I I do think that there's something to be said in, I think it was a mentor of mine. He said, if you're not talking to strangers on a daily basis, at least weekly basis, you're probably broke. (laughs) And, you know, when he framed it like that, it was – I've always considered myself to be an introvert that masquerades as an extrovert. You know, I I talk to people not because I maybe thirdly enjoy talking to them or getting their opinion. But, um, the more I do, the more I realize, I guess, how little I know. And so I just feel like, you know, there's like this, this USB cord that goes straight to my, uh, I guess my, my noggin. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, um, we come from a community where we don't want to talk up our our, our, our own accolades. And, you know, I've used the process of edification um, a lot in business where I'll get a third party maybe to, to, to edify me for a sale prospect or a lead. And uh, there's power in that, man. You know, I'm not going to tell you what I've done, but I'm going to frame it to where this guy who you have trust with tells you who I am, and what I've done.
0: Yeah. And that's a great technique um, to be able to bridge that gap through third party in that way because of the the trust that might already be established with that person, with the other folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it only just brings value. If nothing comes of it, at least you can start building that rapport and that trust with that particular person, personal or business wise down the road. And they know... I I dabble in real estate as well. So, you know, just knowing that you do that and having a good, uh, vibe and a good, you know, rapport built with that individual, like down the line, because of the relationship that you've built, let's say you hang out with somebody and just get happy hour drinks for a year straight, but then the sale comes down the road because you're not that pushy guy but they know what you sell. So that, Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the happy medium where you still got to get to know folks. And if uh, a relationship is strictly transactional, that's usually kind of where folks kind Mm -hmm. of draw back and they're like, listen, Mm -hmm. I don't like salespeople. They're too pushy and this and that. I'm like, no, I'm actually not like that, but I just need to let Mm -hmm. you know how things are. So in the event that, you know, something comes up or, you know, your agent doesn't you know, take care of you in the way that, that you feel is right, then at least you can get a second opinion on something or what yeah, have you. For sure. Um, so kind of the premise of the the podcast is to kind of talk over overall arching macro things in the market and kind of seeing how, you know, what we're seeing collectively and kind of bouncing ideas back and forth. So we have a couple topics that we kind of put together um, in regards to some of the macro level um, things going on in the market. And, and one, I think that touches everybody's knowledge base is obviously getting that $1,400 check in the mail and, and having a $1.9 trillion uh, coming into the market here recently. Um, this is the third installment since, uh, the pandemic started and overall, like what, what have you seen in the market in the last you know year based on that money trickling into the market? And then also, what do you think in the future here with this last round that just came in? Like, what, what are you feeling right now as far as your business or just the overall macro market and how that's going to affect things?
1: Well, I, I think one of my concerns with the with the stimulus money is, um, you know, there's so much. I mean, first off, this is unprecedented. You know, I mean, we, we haven't had this sort of, um, you know, this sort of injection ever. You know, um, a, a good a good book to read that just came out recently uh, by James Rickard uh, is The New Great Depression. You know, he was the author of Currency Wars. He was the author of um, a couple of the good books. But I think my concern is uh, there's a lot of retail investors out there that are going to think that they're professional traders, you know, and they're not going to factor in luck. They're not going to factor in a lot of these external elements that are you know, helping them make some quick profit. Um, I, I, I'm hoping we're not going to see, uh, you know, the same level of, I guess, um, frivolous, you know, frivolous, uh, investing maybe on the retail side that we did on, on, on the first two injections. Um, but yeah, (laughs) I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be careful when I, when someone asks for my opinion in, in the, in the whole friends and, and family network, I'm sure you get this all the time. You know, it's like, you're, there, there's a, there's a very anything you say or do can will be used against you at the dinner table.
0: Yeah. Type no, I, I, I understand that. Um, from, from my side, I, I think the retail investor has kind of been scapegoated in certain respects as the boogeyman. Um, it, I just don't think the value in the volume that they're trading would really enhance um, some of the, the drivers that we've seen in the market here recently. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that obviously is for example, the GameStop situation in January um, I, I just feel that there was a, there was a cohort where the steam slowly started to, you know, come up and Reddit and some other, you know, media platforms and and that slowly kind of spiraled into that where people are are doing up the math and they're realizing that some of these shorts are coming up more than what the value of those companies are to kind of drive those prices mm-hmm. down and it's something that, that elon musk has alluded to in that sense as well like people were pushing hard against tesla for years for mm-hmm. f- for that to, to not happen um and and really In some ways, you know, we can debate another day on whether shorting, you know, in that way is uh, ethical or not and what have you, but it it is exist. It's, you know, totally legal in that sense to want uh, companies to to fail in that way. But, you know, in a sense, those are the reasons why Enron happened and we were able to figure that out. I was just going to mention that. And other, other, you know, companies that have uh, been a bit frivolous on their, their, you know, their statements that they're providing to the public. Another one would be, we work, you mm-hmm. know, where they're not using gap accounting, uh, efficiently and, you know, saying that they could make money at any time. Well, you know, obviously you got to prove that in that sense. And we can do mm-hmm. basic, you know, cash flow modeling and, uh, you know, see how, you know, when money enters, like what's the burn rate and all that good stuff, you know, eventually the S one tells all. So um yeah. it's just been interesting to see and from what my perspective is from the real estate market back in Denver, unreal right now. And I'm I'm sure where you live as well, it's just like I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of um inflated prices based on I think just purchasing power. The fact that we yeah. have another two trillion dollars coming in there they're not really talking about the quantitative easing where this money's coming from. So you're literally cutting up more pieces of a pie that are already down to the, you know, smallest amount possible because of our currency being at the top tier of, you know, the world, as far as the, you know, currency is concerned. And so yeah. with the, with the inflation that's coming with that, obviously the, the buybacks and then the pricing from everything else just going up because it just costs more to produce goods, to, to provide services of that nature. You're seeing a, a an inflated, um, you know, on the asset side from real estate, yeah. from stocks and everything else. And I, like, yeah. and I think what you were alluding to before is too, is like, don't get, don't get too, uh, high on your own supply, so to speak, as far as, yeah. you know, the, the, the the folks that are just getting into this and they're they're doing well. Let's see how you do on a downturn and you know the emotional roller coaster that you have. Right, right.
1: Well, and it, what too? What, what makes this so different is that the the stock market traditionally has always been it has always been somewhat of a gauge in terms of how the economy is doing, and that's just not that's not the case right now. It's never been the gaps never been been bigger. And, and what I also find funny, you mentioned two things: one, inflation. Uh, you know, the CPI, which is supposed to be, you know, what gauges inflation, mm-hmm. um, you know, that I, I, I think they don't track, Was it fuel, food, or what's the third thing food, fuel, or, um, is it housing
0: that I don't um, know,
1: but, um, but it, it's basically it's, you know, the saying always was, you know, as long as you don't eat or use fuel, you know, inflation shouldn't affect you. <laughs> Um, you know, that's kind of always been the, um, the one liner that some of the economists that I follow, you know, Peter Schiff, he's, he's one of those. Um, but what, what makes the U S so unique too, is that only, I think it's, I think it's 10%, I think it's either 10 or 11%, only 10 or 11% of our GDP comes from exports. Right. You know, I mean, there's, there's only a handful of countries you could put in that category. And so, quite frankly, we just don't need the rest of the world to buy our stuff, and so um, that puts us in a different position when it comes to these currency wars and these devaluing exchanges. You know, um, it, it's I don't know. It's I'm, I'm fascinated by it.
0: Yeah, no, that, I definitely recommend that book that you mentioned earlier, Currency Wars. I had that one as well, and it ta- just talks about the 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 hegemony from Brenton Woods and how we've established the dollar as the global currency, but things are changing. You know, we have, uh, a digital currency that has literally no backing other than, you know, what people are willing to buy it for right now. And, and I think central banking obviously doesn't look at this as a threat per se, because it's just in the grand scheme of things, like, you know, when you add everything up, like it's a very small amount of actual asset. And so mm-hmm. they're not pushing really that much for legislation. And and some of these folks that have been betting on it for a long time are obviously reaping those rewards as it becomes more um you know, like companies are actually utilizing it as some kind of asset hold of some kind like like a Tesla, like other companies in that sense. But they're they're always mm-hmm. gonna need a champion to push it forward. And at first, right. you know, it was these Vinkelvoss twins, these other folks that have jumped in early, that are promoting it after buying it, you know, in droves. And those, you know, got to look at what the motivational factors are for people to jump on that bandwagon, you know, moving mm-hmm. forward. And, and have to ask yourself, do you ride that wave with them or do you stick to what you know? Like when you're doing things that are a little bit out of your wheelhouse, let's say with investing, let's say with a business what's the fine line for you as an individual on like decision-making factors on like, do I pull the trigger on this or not? Whether it's crypto, Uh, it's investing. Yeah. I I mean,
1: uh, was that a rhetorical question or?
0: Yeah, no, no, I was, I was literally asking. Oh
1: okay, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I, the first thing I want to know is, you know, how, how easy or how difficult is it going to be to reverse out of this? Mm. You know? Um, one of my biggest failures when I do anything is that I always—it's probably my my lack of exit plan, mm. um, you know. And I'm just such an optimistic person with anything, right? And then it just sometimes it uh, it negatively affects uh, a lot of these speculative positions that I that I take part in. Um, you know, I try to understand everything I that I invest my money in. Even that's not the case, yeah. you know. Um, but I'm also I also tried to take in mind uh the whole contrarian, I guess, effect. Maybe effects not the not the right word, but if everyone seems to be doing it, if my Uber driver's talking about it, and I, I mean that no disrespect to Uber drivers, but if the masses are, are 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 using it as a technique, I don't I don't know if I want to be doing it.
0: Yeah. So yeah. No, I I totally totally get what you're saying. You know, with that, uh, I mean, kind of moving along with some of the things that that are more in the news here. Obviously, you have kids. uh, Some of these big tech companies are are trying to implement um, a kid version of some of their applications and things like that. Like, I don't have kids, Mm -hmm. so you're going to have to talk a little bit more on on this one per se on, like, what your opinion on that is. But, like, how old does a parent – Uh, say is okay to have like a smartphone for example i mean do you know yeah yeah
1: dude it's that's just becoming so i have five kids uh my oldest is is 11 you know she 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 acts like she's 18 (laughs) Um, but it's like yeah because that's you're competing in this world where you know, it's, it's not, only, it's not just a mobile device, but it's the internet of things, right? It's the whole IOT. I and mean, then it's something that connects to this, that connects to that. And look, a, a huge portion of our economy is influenced by, uh, by the children, you know, the, uh, when, I don't know, I don't know what the percentage is, but out of every hundred dollars I spend my kids, maybe they play a role in how half that yeah. might be spent. Here's, a, here's, a, that's, here's an easy yeah. question
0: do you have Disney plus
1: yeah we we have Disney plus yeah man there you so go. but like YouTube you know I mean something else the, the the big one of the big kid channels and if you got kids I know you know this uh, it's called Trinity and Madison okay and and so basically it's these two girls um and I mean they're they're in single digits right and they are just filmed doing daily activities and 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 play things and toy stores this and that and i'm just i'm fascinated by how their their parents kind of direct this and what their parents are thinking in terms of monetizing this and uh it's it's crazy man i mean i'm getting like app requests from my seven-year-old probably five not yeah i'd say three to five app requests i don't know every other day
0: so wow yeah and and from from the outside perspective, I don't have kids. I you know I'm not married or anything in, in that sense. And so for me to hear that, and I think about conceptually when I was that age, like what I was doing. I mean, it's you can't even compare it in that no. sense. But I I no. do remember the time when the internet first came out, and when we first got our our actual family computer, and it was like in 1993, and how addicted I was to playing games. And so I yeah. can only equate it to that time. And I remember yeah. my mom like having to yell at us to get off the computer. because we're Turn the modem off. Yeah. We're playing <laughs> Wolfenstein or we're doing something else, you know, and it's just yeah. like that. You were sucked into that or the Nintendo yeah. when it came out. And so I think people give these newer generations a bad rap, but we had our own versions of our vices growing up in that same sense. And we were 100% in that same way. Well,
1: it, it, it's like the scene, uh, if you, if you've ever seen a million ways to die in the West, uh-huh. you know, and they're, they're standing outside that saloon and there was that, that, that kid, that kid, he's, you know, he's got the wooden, he's got the wooden ring, you know, like ring. Yeah. And it or, uh, a wheel that wooden wheel. And he's kind of spinning it. And, uh, he's like, he's like, he's like, look at this man. It's like all kids spend their time, you know, Uh, like I I was reading an article, just that wheel distracts their, their thought process and their innovation and their creativity, just, just playing the wheel all day. So it made me think of, yeah, like, like iPads and screens and tech.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And, and I, you know, I have my, my dad is remarried and he has a, a 12 year old, same thing, you know, like we're at a dinner table and they can't put it down sometimes. I mean, you have to be kind of forceful in your tone to ensure mm-hmm. that like dinner time is like actual family time, that kind of thing. I'm sure just to corral them up and, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe you can do like what, uh, what, what adults do when they go out drinking and they put their phones in the middle of the table and like whoever grabs oh, it yeah. first has to do chores.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's all about, look, th- this all comes back to sales. I mean, I, I think sales is the number one skill in the world and as soon as you get home from work then you're going to be able to apply it i guarantee you're you're going to be able to apply it as a spouse or as a a parent so find the pain points and then kind of lean into those
0: yeah um you know with that we're talking about these apps like you know kind of trying to get kids involved earlier to to -hmm. enjoy that um That synergy, not only between the devices, but the software as well, and kind of getting them ingrained in in that lifestyle. But there's Mm -hmm. been some big fighting between tech, you know, Apple and, and, and Google recently with Facebook and some others where essentially Facebook's business model is predicated on being able to track user data um, Mm -hmm. around the internet and to provide that service for marketers to be able to see what you're doing and how you're utilizing the internet in that capacity. Uh, Apple and Google have both voiced, um, they're changing their policy and conditions to have people have to opt in as opposed to opt out in those particular apps and things like that from, you know, Samsung's, uh, you know, Android devices and things of that nature. And then also from the iPhone side of things. Um, do you feel that, that Facebook is kind of losing a battle here based on the way their business is set up and how they're just going to become less and less viable here moving forward? Yeah, I, man, this is probably a question I'm,
1: I'm not as prepared to answer. Um, you know, I, so iOS 14, you know, that's, that, that's what, that's what we kind of referred to it um mm-hmm. and you know when when you read it i think like right now you're i think if you're a marketer on facebook you're limited to like eight custom conversions now as opposed to like unlimited mm-hmm. which for some businesses it honestly that doesn't affect that much um but I, I think i think this just comes down to a battle of like it's kind of like you know in the mill. It's like CQB, the, mm. the path of least resistance. Yeah, well, and and that's how money works, right? I mean, you know that. That's how advertising works. So, um, I think there's gonna there's gonna be newer ways. Um, there's gonna be newer ways to target privacy. The the whole concern in privacy isn't new, right? I mean this this whole um, I guess revolt, if you want to call it that you know, started, I remember when it started in in, in in 2012 to 2015, you know, but consumers, every year consumers prove that they don't care about it as much as they say they care about it. Right. Like, you know, so, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in, in how, how the vacuum is going to be filled, how Facebook's going to pivot. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to, I would love to talk more with like a, I guess a marketing team.
0: Yeah. And, and how, just from a small business perspective, how, how is that affecting your bit? Like when you market out to your folks, besides like handshaking and making calls or whatnot, when you're actively yeah. pushing, you know, advertising through dig, digital, um, wh- which one are you using more Facebook or Google? Uh,
1: well it, it was, it was Facebook. Um, I mean, this man. I I I guess I could spend a lot of time talking about this, but I think with every funnel, every every funnel is going to be different, you know, for for every vertical. I I know that's I, that sounds like a cop out answer, but it's really not, you know. And so, um, one word that I ref, that I say a lot. You're gonna you're gonna hear me use this word a lot, probably in this podcast. But um, it's ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And so, I think whenever you do business. Um, and any vertical, you need to identify the ecosystem and how that works in terms of referral partners, in terms of, you know, where the business is coming from. Yeah. Um, and not where it's coming from, but then how can you add to it? Um, and like video right now, I mean, video is huge. People still don't grasp just how big video, I mean, there's a reason why the whole career press, the whole career choices as a YouTuber now is paying off so well. And that's because advertisers are getting the highest penetration rate through video, through YouTube than any other platform. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, I think we still have a ways to go with that. Um, but I mean, for me with my business right now, I get most of my business from referral partners. Got it. So, um, yeah, I, I, think it's, that's kind of how I've been able to maybe establish some autonomy, you know, from the ad
0: sector Yeah, no. And, and, and as much as the bells and whistles and they've improved on, on both dramatically regarding your conversion tracking and, and, and the process within that flow to, to get that, that sale per se say you're doing something and you're selling something online like you were doing, uh, previously, um, but Amazon is, is right around the corner as well. And you probably can attest to some of those, uh, market platforms and how they are expanding, uh, in like a lot of people don't know that Amazon's the third highest grossing revenue regarding ads in, in the country. And so you could probably talk and elaborate a little bit more on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Amazon is just a juggernaut. And what's so funny is like, it still has so much more room to go, you know, um, Mm -hmm. So few, I think we're just at like 12%. Um and 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 definitely, you know, check my stats. I don't want to be tossing out too much fake news here, but I think it's like 12% of um global commerce yeah, is right. only done online. So Amazon has so so much so much longer to go. And it but it's like you know, the two big e-commerce platforms right now, Ben, are Amazon and Shopify. And, you know, if, if you're not, if you're not, um, familiar with, I guess that e-commerce space, when I say Shopify, what I'm basically saying is anyone that has a website that sells a a, a product, uh, chances are they're using the the engine behind the scenes is is Shopify Mm. and, uh, I can give you a hundred pros and cons with each side, Mm -hmm. but I always encourage people if they can to shift more to the Shopify side. Right. Uh, I mean, Amazon takes whatever you sell on Amazon, just expect a third of it to go to, you know, as, as tribute. Yeah. Um, But like with Amazon, you know, when I was, I was doing close to 200 K a month selling any sort of knickknack. It didn't matter if it was, you know, tampons or peanut oil, whatever, didn't spend an ad or you didn't spend a single dollar on ad spend. It was all done for me because I was listing, you know, items that were, you know, that were, um, that were well-ranked items. But, but if you're a brand though, if you're a brand and you have some sort of control on what you're making or selling, whatever, um, I, I implore you establish some freedom. Don't worry about waking up, being suspended, you know, hop on Shopify
0: yeah no, but I, but
1: even then uh, I'm, I'm sorry, even then, like Amazon just uh they just bought cells, mm-hmm, I think, yeah. which is like a main competitor, shopify, so yeah, it's funny,
0: yeah, no, it's it's definitely so I have a little bit of knowledge in that space, just dealing with um can ninety five mass last year. Mm, yeah um, and so with that, uh, just for folks that are a little bit unaware of like the the systems and the platforms, um think about it like when you get an Amazon package, that Amazon has their label all around that box. Shopify is a blank box or it has your logo on it. And so it's a very different feeling in a sense of what you're selling. In, in that sense, because you're able to show off when you look at swag, when you look at other things, you're able to push that your own personal brand. Amazon doesn't let you do that. Their brand mm-hmm. supersedes yours. So whatever's in that box that people obviously ordered, but you bought that on Amazon. So well, and there's there, there's so much data. To, like, there, there's so many
1: ways you can optimize a Shopify site. Right. right? I mean, there's like um, I know the biggest. Like one of the biggest buzzwords in e-commerce has been the conversion, the mm-hmm. conversion rate you now. Um, but really what I always try to focus on on the e-commerce side is uh, is revenue optimization.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I mean, there's just so many cool ways that you can use um, a customer's interaction. I'm not even going to say data, but there's so many ways you can communicate with a customer the cross sells, the upsells, the abandoned cart features, the email marketing, um, a lot of that you just can't, you can't do on Amazon. You can't get that creative.
0: Yeah. And do you, I mean, you were mentioning another acquisition by Amazon. Do you feel at some point that regulators are going to have to step in and be like, you need to stick to e-commerce or something else along those lines or.
1: Yeah. I mean, I could, yeah, I, I could see, a. um, Scenarios, I guess, similar to like Standard Oil.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. You know. I mean. I remember when. I remember when they bought. When they bought Whole Foods, the rumor was that Walmart was never a serious player. Walmart was was sort of, you know, trying to do God's work, which is funny. I'm even saying that they were trying to, yeah. you know, bid that price up. Yeah. Um. But I think what what's so sad about uh, the whole COVID thing is that what's taking place right now, we, we kind of knew that's where we were headed, right? Like the consolidation, you know, we were going to get there, we were going to get there five, 10, you know, 12 years, but it's already happening. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's accelerated all that.
0: Yeah. Um, And we're in a, in a role where life is of convenience, right? If you can get everything delivered to you within a certain amount of time, uh, they said something like Amazon prime isn't over 70% of us households. Yeah. So they, you yeah. know, just from a revenue generating stance of having a recurring revenue bundle of what is it now? 130, $140 a month. You know? Yeah.
1: And so it, it, it's becoming a must have now or a must have instead of a need.
0: Yeah. I mean, and then that- the
1: shipping wars, you know, seeing how, how, how Amazon is going to be competing now with like the FedEx and the UPS and, and, uh, I mean, that's, that's a, a topic for a different time, but just people now buying up these routes and how is that going to change once, you know, once drones, you know, I mean, can you imagine if, if you and I are talking and I, you know, I've, I've got a fleet of a thousand drones, you know, that I'm, you know, that I, I'm, I fall under the auspices of Amazon and.
0: You know, like the, the, the drone thing is interesting to me, but at the same time, I almost put it in the same realm as VR. I think it's something that people want to push, but I don't think. People are ready to see, you know, Mad Max, you know, uh, kind of scenario where you have like this crazy technology like out there and you're, you know, you're playing basketball and like, you know, your Amazon package floats down, you know, in some way. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it, I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I'm just thinking along the lines of like people just aren't ready for it. Kind of the same way with like autonomous driving and things like that as they keep perfecting it. I think they, pretty much got it down i just don't think they want to implement it as fast as as they they might want to because the government is pushing back on it and be like you can't like with the trucking industry you can't just kill an industry based on you know you've got this new technology in this way let's ease it out yeah kind of situation yeah
1: so. I, I mean all, all the ancillary market share that's kind of just evaporate yeah you know
0: exactly um you know, with that, you know, we're seeing a lot of those acquisitions here in, in recent weeks. And, you know, the big rage right now, obviously, is SPACs, you know, special acquisitions. Oh, yeah. And I I have mixed feelings on that. And so for people that don't know, SPACs have been around for a while. Like, it's not a new instrument that people are using. But in a sense, what happens is that folks will pull together some cash and then they'll go public and it's kind of like a blank check. And they go around and they look for something to buy. That's basically, you know, in that in a mm-hmm. nutshell. And then they go and acquire certain certain kinds of things in that vertical that they're looking for. They kind of specify that out. Let's say, you know, Chamat Halapatiya is out there and he's doing stuff in tech. And so that vertical and that spec are publicly listed. And then, you know, you look at how that thing goes. And then it goes from there and it doesn't look like it's stopping anytime soon. Um, it seems to be the rage right now. Have, have you actually personally invested in any SPACs like in the last I have year?
1: not. I have not. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very interested. Um, but it's, it's funny. I always just assume that I don't know enough. And I guess maybe that's, it's better to, to assume you don't know enough than to think, you know, you know, more, but well, I, I mean I think I think it's it's this is just another one of those conversations where um, there's so many cool things about having this freedom, right? Like most of us will never have the opportunity to invest in a company pre IPO. I mean that's that's just the reality. Right. And so I, I think spacks, they they give you that opportunity, you know. Um I don't know. <laughs> I don't know of, um, I don't know of anyone that there's no one on my network that was able to invest in SpaceX, you know, at the private level. (laughs) But, um, you know, if there was a SPAC that was going to buy it, um, well, I mean, that would be pretty cool. I, I would like to, you know, I would like to own, own that SPAC. Um, and I think it's, what I, what I find so weird is there's like, I think I was reading in, in 96, there was over 8,000 public companies mm-hmm. listed um, like on, on the stock exchange. Um, and, and this is us, this is, this is us. Companies. Right. And by the end of 2019, there's like 4,700, you know? So, I mean, that just, that just speaks to um, one, I think again, the whole theme of consolidation. Yeah. And two, um, everything's so much more fast moving, you know, like um, the consulting company, McKinsey said that in, in the next decade, they see 75% of S and P companies, all S and P companies, 75% being gone, yeah, not being around. So um, I also, what also concerns me too, Ben is, um, you know, there's the whole, the whole concept of a celebrity, Tying their name to something, yeah, you know, like you've got these, you got these clout kitchens, you know, whether it's like on the food side, you know, a celebrity just tying their name to a burger or whatever. I'm worried we're gonna kind of see that. We saw that, we saw that in 2017 with with crypto, right? A celebrity would come out, you know, with like a a coin, yeah, and everyone would, you know. Yeah. So I'm hoping that doesn't start to influence the whole spec side, but it probably will.
0: No, I, I, I definitely think the same. I think it, there's a lot of opportunity if you can stomach the risk reward of those opportunities. And I think, like you were saying, a lot of those uh, retail investors that are just getting in that, um, they're going to have to understand that you know these 20 and 30% gains are not normal. And uh, there's the ebbs and flows right, yeah. of these cycles that you're just going to have to deal with and kind of diversify and... Really, have some leverage and some maneuverability when it comes to liquidity, right? Um, yeah. And as long as you have that aptitude to be able to, you know, maybe get some property, to be able to kind of waterfall some of that debt, to be able to jump on some of these opportunities and be able to kind of handle that risk through assets as opposed to in the open market and things of that nature, I, th- I think people will slowly become more educated and through trial and error. And I think they'll yeah, be able yeah. to jump into those opportunities a little bit easier.
1: I, I got a buddy who got lucky with Tesla, and um, <laughs> and it, and it, it's funny Ben. There was an article um, if um, there's a there's a guy named Simon Black, and he he runs a service called Sovereign Confidential. Um, and anyway, he was talking about you know like um, step one to getting your company to a billion dollar market cap is to first label it a tech company, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause then you can kind of just, you can just, you can rationalize any, any decision, any, you know, any valuation, just the fact that it's a tech company. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, my buddy gets lucky with Tesla, becomes a millionaire. And then like the stimulus money starts flowing in and I make some recommendation. I, I you know, I, I make a buddy to buddy recommendation on a certain stock that's kind of tied into gold. And he's complaining that the stock has only gone up, you know, 25% (laughs) over the course of, you know, like a few weeks. And I'm just like, gee, many, you know, like, is this the new, these are the expectations that these, these retail investors have. And I love them, but it's just like, it's not how, it's not how this thing works.
0: Yeah. No, I, and I think you and I can both attest to having to grind a little bit to get where you are today. Um, It's, it's not. It's not fun, especially when you have a lot more responsibilities involved, and you know you take a hit. You know, the more you have, obviously, the more you can fall. Um, and so, you have to be as you get higher up in the ranks, so to speak, in your own personal wealth. You you become risk averse a lot more and don't do don't jump on deals as as much in that sense. And I always think that's mm-hmm. a interesting dynamic to be in because if you are a betting man and so to speak, and you want to push forward with certain things, you're just going to do it regardless. But mm-hmm. I, I'm even catching myself now, um, thinking about things a little bit more thoroughly, just in a sense of, of do I pull the trigger on this? Is this an emotional buy or is this a straight numbers play? What's that story? That kind of thing. So, you mm-hmm. know, with, with, with that moving forward, what, uh, what are you eyeing right now in the market? Um, that you're seeing here that has some viability moving forward. That might be something that folks can sink their teeth in without having to pay, you know, three grand a share or something like that, like an Amazon stock or what have you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I I think right now, commodities, 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 um, we are not, we are, we have seen an unprecedented amount, this kind of, you know, just to kind of circle back to the whole stimulus that, you know, Mm -hmm um with 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 the QE and the money printing it's only a matter of time for um commodities to sort of begin their next uh, their next super super cycle push higher and i know a lot of people don't like hearing this word but gold yeah you know um i think a couple things have been couple things have 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 affected gold recently i think bitcoin has kind of stole the show you know um and again people don't want to put money right now in things that they don't think they can you know 10x yeah, overnight yeah, yeah. but i think commodities right now huge huge undervalued um you know i i also look at you know the whole nft craze mm-hmm. um I not that we have to talk about, you know, the NFTs and and I'm not gonna even tell you I'm a big fan of NFTs. Right. But I do think that they're they're reaching are they are they here to stay? Yeah, they could be, maybe, but I think they're on the verge of reaching sort of a beanie baby kind of craze. Mm. And I actually love traditional art. I love contemporary art, physical art, and I think there's gonna be a little vacuum that we see exit the uh, the traditional art space mm-hmm. um, to where, you know, it could be a buyer's market here pretty soon. Um, and I'm actually, I'm going to do a video on kind of how I find and scout and and, 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 and pay for art. I'm not talking like, I'm not talking like, you know, 50 K paintings. I'm talking anything from, you know, 200 bucks, yeah. um, you know, to, 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 to $3,000. That's kind of like my, my sweet spot, but
0: no, um, that's oh, great. you yeah. mentioned that. I think that's really solid advice because it's it's hedging against what the masses are doing, and so, like if everybody's in for example, trying to get into real estate now, you're buying the power curve If you didn't already own before, you need to go figure something else out and buy something that's undervalued instead of overvalued yeah. um, the same thing being with securities. Right now, securities are just overvalued, and we we took a nice little dip here in February, and it showed that. I mean, you know, I, we probably lost upwards of like eleven to fifteen percent on on our portfolio for for that time frame as well. Mm-hmm. But we're long term investors. We don't do a lot of uh, different, you know, things. Sometimes we put into options. It depends on how low the. Uh, the, you know the threshold went as far as the correction goes but overall we're pretty vanilla and we have long-term mm-hmm. assets that we utilize to leverage to go do other things
1: yeah well i i, I, I do want to say this ben i i think it's important to to, to, to say this I, I spend um you know i got five kids so my my, my days of, uh, of venturing out you know um at the, at the bars and, 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 you know, having those kind of fun times, they've decreased. So the, the, the amount of money that I spend on it on entertainment isn't what it used to be in, in COVID. Right. The COVID has affected that too. But w- what I'm getting at is the, where I do spend a lot of money is on information. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I'm willing to spend a lot of money on information and I'm also willing to spend a lot of money on, uh, on learning. I know, I know the school of hard knocks and learning from experience, uh, it's, 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 it's easy to romanticize that. And it's sexy. You know, everyone likes a a Bubba Watson type story, you know, where they, they teach themselves how to golf, but the equities world is not like that. And, you know, I've spent five figures. I'm not even a day trader, you know, at most I'll, I'll do some swing trading. You know, if I really have a hair on my ass, you know, I'll do some options, but I've, 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 I've been a part of three different courses. I've spent five figures <laughs> being coached in that aspect. Um, I, I just think I would be doing your, uh, your audience a disservice if
0: I didn't, if I didn't mention that. So no, I steady wins the race. when it comes to a lot of this stuff and, and gotta have a, a you know, a 20, 30 year outlook and time is the best, uh, barometer for success, I mean, you're going to have some fly by night folks that are just going to hit it, and you're going to be maybe even a little bit envious on on their success and how fast they've got there. But you'll get there eventually too, because you're building up the the processes down the road to to ensure that success, because you're not uh, a one trick pony, so to speak. And I think that's imperative on on that success path.
1: And well, yeah, in the stock market too, I think. Um, um, people need to remember that the stock market's a great place to deploy, you know, elements of their liquidity into, to grow their wealth. And I think people now are looking at it as a means to, to build that liquidity, to, to create liquidity. Right. And um, that's a huge mistake.
0: Yeah. I totally agree. Um, As far as from my end, what I'm looking at, as far as, you know, stock picks um, have you heard, have you heard of Palantir?
1: I am an owner. I am a shareholder of Palantir. I love it. Uh, I love what Peter Thiel has done. Um, and I mean, dude, we I mean, we could go deep into that just because of it. that that company. It's like seventeen years in the making yeah. before that was even launched. So yeah, I'm very familiar with Palantir.
0: Yeah, good deal. Yeah, I um I was a little hesitant to buy in earlier. I I know them very well. Um, And so that one thing is they moved to Denver too, which is great. Their headquarters are out of Palo Alto now. Um, but the main thing is, is the software is very, I actually got to use it like the last years in the military, like it Mm -hmm. came to, uh, SOCOM and then SOCOM implemented it out into Iraq and Afghanistan, those places. Um, and I was able to work with those engineers and they just brought those guys out there to like anything that we wanted they would build they would just like sit down and do it and like work out the bugs yeah. and all that stuff um what was interesting was their their resiliency to like please clients and I, that's okay. what I always like stood stood out with me personally was that these engineers are you know Stanford grads most of them and and they they know what they're doing per se but they have ridiculously hard core work ethic just like you would want in somebody in that sense uh, and these guys that are out there the four deployed engineers and I don't know what they're called now but you know it's like they're biz dev guys and things like that it, it, it's really uh, kind of a, a culture that is is startup but then also like because most of their clients are you know government right mm-hmm. now they're going to get into the financial realm and some other places and I think some of these boutique uh, spots are eventually going to try to get in on that software as well, just because I think it's that intuitive of a platform. Yeah. Um, and then also like the reason I didn't buy in initially when they listed, cause they didn't do an IPO. They just did a straight direct listing. And for the folks that don't really know the difference, it's just basically when you do an IPO, you grow your pie, A lot bigger and then you have folks buy into it where a direct listing is like they're not increasing the size of their company and not taking on other folks but you Mm -hmm. can actually just go in and buy the stock after a while and that's what they did Mm -hmm. in december but they had a a lockout which was made me kind of nervous in a sense of like who's jumping ship in february and this and that and then after the dust settled when that lockout was done um you know, same as usual. So with that, you know, now here in the near future, I'll be buying as well. And I, I think that as more and more folks understand the ideology behind the company, cause they, they were started as a, uh, a software analytical tool from, from PayPal. Mm-hmm. And so that's how Peter Thiel obviously got involved and kind of branched it off and turned it into his own thing. Um, and so it was dealing with credit card fraud and credit card Mm -hmm. fraud back then tried to put every kind of algorithm to it and everything else um but at that time the algorithms weren't strong enough to to handle the spending nuances within you know the the framework of you know a site like paypal so the difference between theirs versus others was that they actually had to put an analyst behind it. And so pattern recognition things of that nature, we're going to know a difference in spending habits a little bit easier than maybe a computer at the time with the, uh, machine learning and stuff where it was. And so that's where they really made their money. It'd be interesting Mm -hmm. to see now how much of machine learning and analyst work are, you know, actually in unison now pushing forward. Cause it's like mm-hmm. when we were there, they were pushing Palantir mobile, which was a, um, it was an app. And so think about like what happened in Boulder yesterday. So you get to a scene, um, you're, trying to figure out what's going on and you would turn on your camera on your phone and these little bubbles would pop up with information last, you know, perp last scene on corner of whatever. And it's all geo referenced in real time to be able to look at that and maybe have one of those, you know, like some of the glasses, you know, like the the Google glasses or something like that, where you can actually see the information popping up in your glasses as you're running like that, that's where that company's going. So yeah. So it's, it's really, you know, like whatever you can think of as next level, that's going to happen. that company's already thinking about that.
1: Yeah. Well, and then, and then when you see names like Kathy Woods, you know, the, the, the CEO of arc, I mean, that's huge endorsement and I I hate to, I don't want to frame it like, Oh, well, if you know, if he's doing it, then I'm doing it. But, um, Kathy Woods, she doesn't get too many things wrong. So
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's funny because I know some of the old colleagues, even that you would never think, um, are into investing. Like they'll throw out her name, and I'm just like, oh, okay, now we got yeah. something to talk about. You know, you're not yeah. just a nug. <laughs> yeah. So, e- exactly. But uh, yeah, I think I think you know both. You know, the commodities, and then looking at some of the the other securities out there. Um, I'm. I'm well,
1: no, I'm sorry. I, Go ahead. I was gonna say I'll I'll, I'll give you three. I'll, I'll give you three for my portfolio. I you know after I after I kind of gave my input on that, and then you actually gave you went out and gave an actual stock. I'm like, all right, let me. I don't feel like I'm doing your 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 listeners justice here. So I would say right now my biggest holding, um, and it's a, a substantial um, it's a, a substantial position um, in my viewpoint. For some people, maybe it's not. Um, but Falcon Oil and Gas, mm-hmm. um, they are a uh, an oil and gas company. Um, they technically have assets in Australia, South Africa, and and Hungary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their, their crown jewel that that they're really on the verge of, uh, of leveraging big time is in Australia, and so they're they're sitting on a gargantuan um, oil and natural gas discovery in the Beetaloo Basin in Australia. Um, so and you're seeing what's kind of cool is that you're seeing other oil and gas companies coming in and 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 you know starting to drill right next to them um, right but the australian government has gone all in i mean they are throwing money at these oil and gas companies to get it going cuz they know what's in the beetaloo mm-hmm. can power them for you know a 100 plus years right. so and of course it's the job you know there's a political element there for sure um but it's funny too cuz there's like there's china has a big influence in Australia. Um, so there's different undertones, uh, of that going on, but, um, that's, I, I'm expecting huge, huge things from that company. Mm-hmm. Um, another, another commodities based company that I own is Vista Goldcore, which is, um, also a, a junior gold miner out of Australia. I say also, cause also out of Australia, but, um, There, it's another company that's in that early stages, you know, where they it's looking like they may be sitting on more gold than they originally thought, right? Um, and then the third company would be uh Patriot One Technologies, uh, which is out of Canada, uh, PTOTF is the ticker for that, um, on the US, and they're they are developing a tech that will essentially make the scanners that we use at airports and sporting events, they, those will be obsolete. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, what this thing can do, it can, it it can tell you what Glock, I'm not talking just being able to identify a weapon. It can tell you exactly what kind of Glock you're concealing from. I forget how far away. (laughs) Uh, so this whole thing where we're going to be, you know, scanning that's, that's going to be a thing of the past eventually. So, um, but I think what's what's so cool though about all three companies that i, I mentioned Ben is that they're at a stage uh, early on um, everything's been proof, but they're at, they're at a stage early on where the institutional money uh hasn't hasn't flown it hasn't flocked to yet you know right. um, there's different thresholds that those institutions have to have to make sure that they that those companies do before they can kind of dive in. so right. investing in companies like this that are already publicly traded um, a lot of ways. It's the closest, it's the closest thing to, um, you know, being a seed investor. I feel like um, that, you know, retail guys like us can, can be a part of.
0: Yeah. And, and that's a great point is that these mid market, mid market cap companies that are publicly traded, usually kind of where you make your money because they've already been established. They're already uh, in the public sphere. So you have access to their data. You can see, how they're writing their 10 Ks, which is their annual reports, and then look at the quarterlies and see, are they in in alignment with their plan and their vision? You know, and obviously they have to answer to shareholders because they're, they're pushing as hard as they can if they're in the public sphere, not that private companies aren't, but they don't have the 90 day windows to play with in that same realm. Um, Mm. And that's where you like anything so i had a i was went to the du to get my mba university of denver and we had a uh, evaluation evaluations class at the end um and it was really cool to see some of the things that were happening in those spaces and we had to pick all mid market cap stocks so you think like a company like booz allen hamilton we were looking at and then we ended up going with like restoration hardware And so you think about some of these companies that are consumer discretionary, um, that are in the retail space and you're like, Oh, retail, like who the heck we're obviously buying stuff, but this stuff is like, you know, mid-level, like just under designer name stuff where people are buying those second homes. They got to fill them somehow and they don't want to buy a, you know, a $30,000 couch So they want something in the middle of that. And then this, this company kind of fills that gap. So yeah, things like that, where you just know that the markets are, are definitely inflated, but you can still pick winners and kind of jump on those waves and, and really, really learn and, and really grow with those companies on those trajectory levels that, that you're seeing in the market and these wave cycles that we have here. And so, um, yeah, I think your your picks are definitely interesting and, and again, do do your research on these companies. I mean, obviously Absolutely. we we have our own stakes and companies. Um, but you know, we might have a bigger threshold for risk than you do and have the time <laughs> to wait for it. So with that being said, you know, obviously I'll, I'll be sure to, to list those in the uh, description. And so you can take a look at those and hopefully you get some benefit out of the conversation that we had. And, and if you have any improvements that, that you'd like to see or what have you, be sure to give us some constructive feedback. Cause we definitely, we like talking about this. This is like, been one of the easiest conversations I've had since doing the podcasting. So it's <laughs> something that we are passionate about. And I think hopefully, it, you know, you hear that when we're, when we're conversing here. Yeah. Well, awesome, Jordan. Well, thanks so much for doing this and uh look forward yeah, to buddy. uh get some more going with this and, and seeing where it goes.
1: I like it. I like it. I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. So thanks for having me on, man.
0: Yeah, appreciate it. Take care. All right,
1: buddy. Bye.
0: All right. That's it. The show is produced and engineered by myself, Ben, out of Denver, Colorado. Be sure to subscribe to our social media or wherever you consume content, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Big shout out to Mike Xavier. Thank you so much for letting us use your music as part of our show. Be sure to check him out as well on social media and stay tuned for the next show.